0: well good morning family good morning if i haven't met you yet my name is pastor jerry wilson everybody calls me Jay will and i have the privilege of being the planting pastor of this young church plant a city of refuge where a simple church just seeking to call all to jesus to connect to his greater family and live commissioned as kingdom citizens uh, and we're so glad that you're here today with us today we will be continuing our time in our sermon series on evangelism called commission for glory so we believe we We love to begin each year looking at a different spiritual discipline. A spiritual discipline meaning the life and how we should live as Christians. And this month we have been looking at how we should evangelize. Starting at first, Christ was the one who brought glory to us. As we consider evangelizing and being commissioned for glory, how Christ has brought glory to us. Last week Justin preached from Ephesians on how we have become receivers of glory. And today in our passage, we'll see how we have joined in with the mission to spread glory, to share glory. And our sermon today is called Reconciled from Groaning to Glory. I know we just prayed, but if you wouldn't mind, I would like to pray one more time for us, just to settle our hearts. Also, I just got off a plane last night, so I'm still a little tired. So I need all the prayer I could get. So would y'all join me in seeking the Lord who will answer our prayers and give us strength father i stand here today um, both excited to be in front of my people excited for all that you are doing in your local church but also weary from the realities of this world as this body continues to waste away Uh, i often feel as though i have less and less energy i see more and more of my desperate need for you. So Lord, I pray today that you would meet me here and meet us here, that you would strengthen me to proclaim your word and that you would speak to your people, that you would strengthen your people, that you would r- remove the scales from the eyes of your people and help them to see this newness that you are calling us into. Why? Phil, I'm in a room full of other weary people And, Lord, we need you today. We need your energy today. So, Lord, we pray that you would illuminate your word, that you would speak through your word from on high, and that you would transform us to look more like your son. Be with us, O Lord. Be with us. Hide me behind the throne of your grace let your people only hear and see you yes all these things in your matchless sons Jesus name Amen the great Martin Luther King Jr. once said in his famous speech I have a dream that our four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but the content of their character Martin Luther King was addressing this great grievous and groaning we felt in our nation through racism and the evil of prejudice in our country. And he cried out, I have a dream when this one day will be done away with. All throughout our history, all throughout the world's history, we hear people crying out and groaning that when will this be done away with? When will racism be done away? When when will hatred be done away? When when will wars cease? Natural disasters cease? Sickness cease? We are a groaning people. And we live in a world of much groaning. Paul actually writes about this in Romans. When he was writing to the church of Rome, he says in Romans chapter 8, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Family, you do realize this world groans, right? Just turn on the TV, the political spheres of our day. We are groaning and looking for hope. I told you I was in LA earlier this week and I just saw a city of 20 million people who groaned from Crenshaw to, to Bel Air to, to Skid Row to all these other places in Los Angeles, there was groaning. Homeless in the streets, sickness around, people who looked pretty but yet had less hope. Los Angeles groans. We don't even have to go to Los Angeles to know the groans there. Old Claire groans is in our apartment complexes in our neighborhood. Kids who feel as though there's no hope. Kids who don't have any food to eat. Schools that feel overworked, understaffed, and undersupported are Our neighborhood groans. We are a world of groaning people. But you know what? We don't even have to go as far as look at the rest of the world. You groan. I groan we groan together paul actually opens up the first half of this chapter we'll be covering today in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 2 through 5 he says indeed we groan in this tent desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling since when we are clothed we will not be found naked Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are because we do not want to be unclothed but clothed so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the spirit as a down payment. Paul says we groan because we know there's something better than this. This body wasting away, we know if this physical body exists, there must be some glorious body that must exist. And he says, we feel it. You feel it. As I get older, I feel it every day. Like, man, I just don't feel as strong as I used to. Even I got that old man strength now. I just don't feel as strong as I used to. I don't have the energy I used to. I groan. But what if I told you that the groaning in this world and the groaning in your life, the groaning and the brokenness of the relationships of your home and the groaning that you feel is meant to reveal something greater? Glory does exist. Glory exists. This is actually why Paul wrote 2 Corinthians to the church of Corinth. Uh, He wrote this, this book in relationship between suffering and the power of the Spirit which Paul was preaching about his life, ministry, and message because they were like, Paul, we're suffering and we're watching you suffer, so how can you truly be a messenger from God? They had questions. What are your motives? Why do you have this courage? Why are you doing this? We see you suffering. But Paul's argument was that his suffering was the means that glory was being revealed to them. And family, your suffering If you are in Christ, it's the means that God will reveal more and more of His glory in your life, not just to you, but those around you. So, how does groaning reveal this glory? How can groaning, our pains and suffering in this age, the broken relationships we have, the the sickness we see, how can these reveal glory? Well, they only reveal glory if you have become a new creation. If you you are a new creation, you see the world different. And you are different. They only reveal glory if you've realized that through someone else suffering, you have been reconciled to glory. That all the wrongs of this world has been done away with. And now we have a relationship with someone stronger and better who carries it all on his own shoulders. And lastly, this groaning only reveals glory if we who have been reconciled are those who cry out for the other groaners, for the rest of the world who groans. Diving into our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. Look at verse 16 and 17 with me. You must see and be new in Christ. Look what he says in these verses. He says, From now on, then. We do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. Yet now, we no longer know him in this way. In this verse right here, the word known is also the word see, meaning we perceive or we look upon. He said, "You, if we don't see people how we used to see them. We don't see them by how they look, where they come from, their background, their history, their story. We don't see them that that way no more. Even at one time, Paul himself saw Christ in a worldly perspective. He said, this can't be the real Messiah. This dude's eating and drinking with sinners. He's, he's blowing up the Pharisaic ways of this world, and yet he is calling all Gentiles and sinners to himself and healing the sick. And ha, This is not a Messiah. This is a little fool. He said, I one time saw wrong. But in Christ, verse 17... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see the new has come. Family, the only way we can see the glory that this groaning is revealing in our life is we have become new in Christ. We must first be new, and then we can see new. We can't see people outside of this worldly perspective if we ourselves are not in Christ. Because we're always going to judge people based on what they look like, their social economics, the stories, what they've done. If you don't believe me, we all carry prejudice. It might not be as full-on racism or hatred towards another person, but we all have preconceived characters of a prejudice inside of us. And this is what this worldly... This, this tent brings, this tent of flesh. If we are just people who live in this tent of flesh and not have been renewed in our mind by the Spirit of God, then we are people who only understand in this tent of flesh. We only understand what we see, feel, taste, touch. We can only understand. But when we are in Christ, we ask for him to give us new eyes, and in him he gives us new eyes to see the world. No longer does our finances belong to us. No longer do our relationships belong to us. No longer do anything in this world belong to us because now we have one more glorious than us. We see all the things around us different. This is called the process of regeneration. Meaning, one time we were dead in sins. We were far off from God. Yet Christ has now brought all those in him alive, and we now have a new perspective, a new glory, a new revealing of this world. Why? Because we have his eyes, we have his ways. Ezekiel actually says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 through 27. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. If you are in Christ, everything in you is becoming new. He starts to reveal more and more of himself and his ways to you. All of a sudden you start to read his word and it's like, wait, I've never, I, I, I didn't, Understand this, but all of a sudden I'm starting to understand his word and and all of a sudden the things that used to offend you about people when they do things that were once offensive now It's like I'm able to let it go Those things don't grieve me as hard as they used to at one time Hated certain people But now God is making those people family What can change? this world and make that a reality because we have a new life, a new spirit, a new heart. I think the beauty of Martin Luther King seeking this type of um, reconciliation in our world is he did want a day when all would be considered equal and new and see each other. Here's the thing. The dream wasn't where the hope was. The one who truly fulfills hope is the only way reconciliation can take place. We have to have this new heart. We have to have this new spirit within us. We have to be changed. But even as we're being changed, that doesn't mean it's a switch. All of a sudden, everything is fixed. We still see those around us and look down our nose. You ever met any judgmental Christians? You have met people who just talk about these other people so bad, whether it be about their race or their economic class or, or even the way they do church. We talk about them so bad. Whenever those questions come up or people start to come to you and show you these prejudices, you should start asking them, how do you see those around you? Are you seeing them with new eyes? Are you becoming a new creation? Is that judgment mounting up? Are you starting to see them as God sees them? See, God sees image bearers. Those who are worthy of blood being shed on his behalf. Those who are made for his glory. God does not see the less than. Even though sin separates us from this holy God, he saw us still as those he wanted to be glorious. And he wanted us to experience glory, and he wanted to show off his glory. Maybe if you ask this question to others, how are you seeing people? They may take offense, or maybe they don't even understand what you're asking. But before you can ask them that question, you need to ask you, how are you seeing people? What what prejudice do you hold on to? How can you tell that you are being made new? Uh, they, we were while we were in Los Angeles week, uh, the missionary there he told us a joke that he used to say all the time when he lived in South Carolina, saying, you know, California, Los Angeles, it's just we're just waiting for an earthquake to come and wipe them off the map. But he said it in a Los Angeles church, and these Los Angeles who were Christians were flabbergasted. Wait, y'all see us this way? Y'all think about us this way? And it made me check my heart. Like, how have I talked about other places and other people that I don't understand, other cultures that I have never experienced firsthand? What prejudice do I have? It's a question we must all wrestle with. But as we're wrestling through this, wrestling through what do we see, how do we see those around us, we must first remember who reconciled us. Look at verses 18 and 19 for me. It says, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth saying, we are reconciled to glory, but not just for the sake of, of us to experience glory but for the sake of glory being experienced by others. He's like, I've made everything. Every land in this world is mine. Every people in this world is mine. Every home in this neighborhood is mine. Everything you have is mine. I am the owner. Everything is from God. And because it's from him, he proves this that through Christ he has called everything to himself. He's called you and I to himself. He's continuously beckoning you and I, be reconciled, trust, and believe. Christ has done this great ministry in us first. But not just in us, but now through us, he has given us this very ministry. Do you realize that that's the mission of the church? To be a reconciled people to glory so that we can show glory and that they could call others to glory. That's the mission of the church. As Jesus told his apostles before he sent them out, before he ascended in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. In, Jer- in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love, I was thinking about it this morning, how he set out this pattern of witnessing for his sake. He started them in Jerusalem, the place which this, their homeland, and they know those around them, same culture, same customs. Then he took them all into Judea. Okay, that's a little bit on the peripheral, but it's still close enough where they understand and they know the people around them and they can have conversations. But then he takes them into Samaria. I don't know if you know the history of Jews and Samaritans, but Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Matter of fact, we actually have a story in the Gospel of John where J- Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, and she said, uh, you talking to me? You know you a Jew, right? And you know I'm a Samaritan, right? You know we don't get along like that, right? Because they did not get them wrong. But he said, I have torn down this wall of hostility, and now you who were once hostile towards others i put you around people that's not like you that thinks differently than you who still sin just like you but sin differently than you <laughs> oh yeah i'm glad y'all clapped for that one. i put you around them to call them to me it ain't for you it's for me Anytime we feel high and mighty and want to look down our nose at others, we should be reminded that five people can look down their nose at us. As Paul says, I was the worst of sinners. I know what I've done. What have you done? See, When you realize you've been reconciled to glory, meaning Christ shed blood, has brought you to himself so that you can have a relationship with the Father. You understand your desperate need. Now you look at the rest of the world and say, they need too. We are all just beggars looking for bread, yet the church is the church. The church are the people who have found a loaf, and we get to invite others to eat. Oh, family, do you understand that this groaning, World needs to be reconciled, that this groaning world is groaning for glory just as you are groaning. How are you living as a witness? When others see your life, can they tell that there's something different than you, that you have truly experienced glory, that you have truly been brought into the face of God? Does glory shine on your face? In your relationships, when we're doing discipleship, when we're together, are we gossiping? Are we glorifying the the Father together? When we're in our workplace and we're living faithfully, not just as missionaries, but as fellow brothers and sisters in the church, when other believers walk by, can they tell that we are brothers and sisters in the church? And when non-believers walk by, can they tell there's something different about those subset of people over there? How are you living as a witness? It's a question I wrestle with often, even as a pastor. Because I'm like, man, Lord, I just want to be more faithful. I just want to live consistently and faithfully. And I continue to fail more and more, which reveals my groaning and my need for his glory. And this continuous loop cycle where he brings me closer to himself. And prayerfully, more and more people get to see him as they see my brokenness. And prayerfully, more and more people get to see him as they see your brokenness, as they see your wrestlings, as they see how you grieve in this world. More and more people see your, his glory in your life. Are you a person that when they cut you, and life beats you down, you bleed the gospel? Or are you a people who continue and continue to live as though there is no hope? See, when we have been reconciled to glory, for glory, we now take on a new mission, not as those who groan, but as those who cry out for the groaning. Look at verse 20 and and look at verse 20 with me. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal Through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In the midst of our groanings, we cry out, but there's glory. Be reconciled. In the midst of our struggles, we cry out, but there's glory. Be reconciled. And family, this should be our heart posture no matter the days and the seasons of life we go through. And in those seasons when we feel as though we can't cry out, we should be those who come around each other and say, but there's glory. Be reconciled. Hold on. Have hope. Charles Spurgeon, he so famously said, he says, we, were, we, are, all, we are all of us ambassadors from Christ. And we are told that as ambassadors, we are to beseech men as though God besought them by us. How I do love to see a tearful preacher. How I love to see the man who can weep over sinners, whose soul yearns over the ungodly as if he would, by any means and by all means, bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, this is the mission of the church. This is what we should be as his people. What keeps us from crying out? What keeps us? coming on a monday night to cry out for our neighborhood what keeps us from studying his word to see how christ has done this work in us and we cry out what keeps us from crying out is your groanings that loud is your own voice and your own insecurities drowning out the glory that christ is revealing in your life is it that loud Family, we have been brought to glory for glory, and we cry out for the groaning so that they can experience glory. But we don't do this out of our own strength. We don't do this because we're hoping that one day we will be glorious. We do this because of the one who has made us glorious. Look at verse 21 with me. He says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Family, we don't groan because we're, we don't, we don't cry out for the groaning and seek glory because we're strong. We cry out for the groaning and seek glory because Jesus groaned first for us. He who saw us in our sin who saw us in the state of confusion, in the state of hopelessness, he who only knew glory stepped down, and then he groaned. How did he groan? In the garden of olives, in the garden of pressing, he cried out, Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass by. He groaned, but yet he said, Your will, not mine. As he was carrying his cross to the hilltop where he had done no sins, yet he was being persecuted and treated as a man who had committed a a crime, he groaned on Calvary, on the cross. He said, my God, my God, Father, why have you forsaken me? He groaned that his final groan on that cross was its finished. He groaned so that our groaning would cease. He groaned so that we would be reconciled and experience glory. His groaning made us righteous. And his groaning ceased on that cross. They put him in a grave. Jesus, the son of God, laid in a grave after being crucified for three days, but groaning ceased and glory stepped out. Jesus resurrected, walked out of the grave, and he says, now all power and life is in my hand. I have conquered death. Anyone who puts his hope in me can now find life, meaning anyone who trusts in me. You now have glory. And you have been reconciled to glory. I ask you today, do you believe that Jesus groaned for you? that as far as you feel away from him, do you believe that his blood was shed for you? And in the midst of your sinful states and the decisions you made that are dishonoring and sinful before a holy God, do you believe that his blood will cover your sin? My family, the good news is it has, it can, and it has. If you just repent and believe, you are reconciled. You are called in. You are now a son of the Most High God. You now are welcomed as a beggar who is looking for bread to eat. But it doesn't stop there. Now that you have experienced glory, the mission is to go out into the groaning world, even though you still may groan some. You know our groaning has been done away with, but you call the groaning to glory. You call them to look at him. If you're here today and you have not put your trust in the one who groaned on your behalf, I want to let you know your groaning will have a day of cease. Your your groaning will be done away with. Your groaning has been done away with. Put your hope in him. And he says, every tear you shed will be poured out on you and you would experience joy. There is a day coming where there will be a new creation, a new heaven, a new earth. All things will be made new. And everything you experience in this world will be done away with. It will be a drop in a bucket. But it would never compare to the eternal glory that's coming, the bliss that is coming you don't believe this today is the day to go from gro- groaning to glory to trust in the one who can bring you into glory if you do believe this and know that Christ has done this work on your behalf your job now is to be his ambassadors and to live fully on display enjoying his glory first and foremost and calling others to come and joy i'm so excited in a few moments We get to ordain a man who is leading the charge of calling others to experience his glory. This is the call of pastoral ministry, but it's not just the call of pastoral ministry. Pastors are the example of what it looks like to live this out in front of the church. But this is the call of all Christians. This is the call of all of us, to call those who are groaning to glory. We get to elevate a brother and say, you are now in the office the lead caller calling, to gro- calling the groaning to glory. And you get to live out the example of what this looks like, the ministry that has been given to us as a church. So family, our two calls today. If you are groaning and need hope, today is the day of salvation. Come and seek his glory. But if you are one who have already put your hope in the one who has groaned for you, today is the day to shine even brighter despite the groanings you face. And maybe you need others to come around you and pray over you and carry you through a season where you still feel the pressures and the weights of this world. We would happily pray for you. So at this time, I'm going to call the worship team up. I'm going to pray over us. But if you are here and you need someone to pray for you, please don't be ashamed. If those around you, they would love to come around you and pray for you. Please ask someone, come pray for me. If you're someone who just said, I, I want to know more about this hope, come find me after service. Or, or call, come find one of the leaders after service. We would love to talk to you and tell you about Jesus, the one who died on for your behalf. This is you. Would you join me in prayer at this time? Father, we cry out, holy, 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 the Lord Almighty, who is and is to come. Lord, we truly believe that you have done this work, you are doing this work, and the work has been done in you. And we pray now that as fellow groaners, that you will reveal more and more of your glory. Help us to see that we were made to have a relationship with you, to be put in a place where we can hope in you. I pray today that your word was preached clearly, that your saints will be transformed today, and that the lost will be found today and put their hope in you today. We ask all these things, In your son Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand and continue to sing with us?